0: We're going to open up our Bibles this morning in Matthew chapter 7, um, and, and we really are kind of in the closing section of the Sermon on the Mount starting today, and uh, it's an interesting section, and, and there, are, there are several comparisons that Jesus begins to make here between darkness and light, and, um, and, and so I just want to kind of give us an idea of the path ahead. Where are we going? Um, We'll see these four, essentially four sets of warnings that Jesus is going to give. The first, the one that we're going to deal with today, is that there are two separate ways that people can go. Uh, next week, Richard is going to look at the two types of trees and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, good, the kind of fruit they bear. Good fruit versus bad fruit, um, the type of prophetic words that, that come out of those things. Uh, Then the week after that, the last two weeks, we'll see that there are two types of followers, and then we'll see finally that there are two ways to build. And so there are these, again, four sets of two things that Jesus will, again, show in today. And so that's that's where we'll find ourselves. Uh, With each of these, Jesus exposes the differences between the mindset of a kingdom person and the mindset of a worldly person. And so uh, these are pretty important for us, uh, especially because how many months now have we been walking through this? eight months or something like that? More than that, probably. We started this last year, and, uh, and so we've been walking down this road in the Sermon on the Mount for quite some time, and, and so all that's been building up to this closing, and Jesus really is going to bring into full focus for us what kind of person a kingdom person is. Okay? You ready to go there? Amen. All right. Well, let's get started then. It's been said that the path of God's kingdom is like a road less traveled. I've heard that said many times. And, uh, and, and, and so if you're going to be the kind of person who walks down that path, then, then we've got to prepare ourselves mentally to walk down a road that might feel kind of lonely at times. It might feel like everyone else is going one direction and we're going a different direction, and sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult and it's not popular, and that's okay. I, I recently watched a multi-part documentary, and in this documentary, a father and a son, they started, in, and they got in their car, and they started in Santa Monica, California, and they drove the entirety of Route 66 all the way to Chicago. It was really cool. Of course, I got real excited when they drove past the Mill and Yukon, and I'm like, man, that's you know, this is this is our town. And they drove over the lake, over Holster Bridge, and I'm just, it was really, you know, I, I got goosebumps, and because um, I'm kind of proud of our of our place here, you know. But uh, it was just really neat how, uh, but these guys, they they chose to make this drive. It took them like two weeks to drive to Chicago, Santa Monica. Now, if you get on the interstate, you can do that in a couple of days, especially if you're a you know, a lead footed driver, you know, you can, you can make that drive. And, uh, but why would you want to go the, the, the slow way? Why would you want to go the difficult way? Why would you want to go down the road? That's kind of bumpy and is isn't very well maintained. And so there are some places that you can't even find old route 66 and you have to find alternative routes. And so these guys, said, it was quite an adventure. It was Like I said, a lot of fun to watch this. The other thing is, it cost them a lot more money to travel down the old Route 66, right? Because they had to stop for hotels, It took a lot more gas to go that way. They couldn't move as quickly. A lot of twists and turns driving through small towns where there are speed traps. We know about that here in Oklahoma, you know? <laughs> That's right. They could have made the journey in a couple of days. They could have made it a lot cheaper. But had they taken the easy way, they would have missed out on some things, wouldn't they have? They would have missed out on some scenery. They would have missed out on seeing a blue whale. I'm just saying I, I said I'm proud of Oklahoma. Um, they would have missed out on a lot. they would have they wouldn't have seen a part of the country that they uh, that they saw because they chose to go on the older, more difficult road rather than the smooth sailing interstate. Of course, you know, I I think of this same sort of thing when I think of the Christian life. There's a way that that seems easy, it seems like you can just kind of coast through life, enjoying the pleasures of this world, and and, and just kind of enjoy everything this life has to offer, and then you're gone. And, and we live in a world that is obsessed with finding rapid-paced paths to get what we want or what we perceive that we need. But God's way is often really slow, sometimes even cumbersome when you look at it with human eyes. Because God's primary concern, get this for a second, his primary concern is not your ultimate destination. We, we sometimes make it that way. You know, we think about, you know, just, man, I can't wait to get to heaven someday. And, and, and it's not a bad thing to want heaven someday. I think that's actually a really good thing for us to celebrate and when we're going to be in his presence. But God's ultimate concern is not that. His ultimate concern is not your enjoyment of this moment. His ultimate concern, but everything else is building into you the character of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, all along the way, As we're heading towards our future with him. All those moments that we face are opportunities to grow into Christ-likeness. God cares about the quality of your journey. Now, I want to give a couple examples in scripture of, of how the world will try to tempt us to focus on destinations rather than the quality of the journey. So one, in the the life of Jesus, Satan offered Jesus the whole world in an instant when he took him up on the Temple Mount, showed him everything, said, hey, you could have all of this if you just bow down and worship me. He offered Jesus the whole world in an instant. Now, most people, if they were offered that kind of thing, would be like, sounds good, where do I sign up? But Jesus, he realized that only through long suffering and pain, the pain of the cross, could he not only get the world but restore the world. See, he had a bigger picture in mind. Not just to have the destination, the thing that he desired. Jesus wanted the world. He did. He desired it. That's why he went to the cross, to restore the world, to redeem the world to bring it back to what he originally intended when he first created it. So Satan offered a, the quick way, worship me and I'll give it to you. The father led Jesus down the hard road, but it was the road that led to a better ultimate destination. Now our first parents, Adam and Eve, let's, let's make a contrast here between Christ, who Paul calls the new Adam, and the first Adam, our, our, father, our first father, Adam. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they wanted to be like God. And I want to to pause for a moment and remind us, that actually is not a bad thing, to desire to be like God. That desire in and of itself is not a bad desire. In fact, God wanted it for them what God desired. Now, how do we know that? Let's look at the whole rest of the story. What's God been doing this entire time? He's been giving us the opportunity to become like his son, Jesus. If he didn't want that for Adam and Eve, he wouldn't have wanted it for us. It was his ultimate desire for them was that they'd become like Christ, becoming like God. God, though he had them on the long path, of growing as he discipled them. Make no mistake, as they were in the garden cultivating, working with the Father, spending time in his presence, what God was doing to Adam and Eve, he was discipling them, teaching them, growing their character. The serpent offered them a much quicker and easier path, which they took, but it backfired. It didn't work out so great in the end. See, it's the easy road. You can have it now. Have what you want now. You don't need God. Just go get it. That's the way of the world. God wanted them to have all the knowledge they desired all along. Do you think God wanted Adam and Eve to know the difference between good and evil? Of course he did. How are they going to rule and reign with him for all eternity if they didn't know the difference between good and evil? They had to be able to distinguish those things. But God was not going to let them get further along than their character was ready to handle. See, so in that instant when they took the fruit, what happened is their knowledge got ahead of their character and they couldn't handle it and they fell. They imploded on themselves. They weren't strong enough to handle what they knew at that point. God was trying to save them from that. That's why I said, don't eat from the fruit of the tree. He wanted to bring them along. And oftentimes we want to be further along than we can handle too. And instead of trusting God and trudging through the difficulty, we just reach out because we hear the enemy say, hey, you could have this if you just bow out and worship me. We just reach out and we go for it. And we go after things that we're not ready for. That's like trying to fly a fighter plane when you haven't even learned how to fly a bush plane. You're not going to do very well. So the wide path oftentimes seems like the way to go. That's what we're getting at here. Seems like the way to go at first glance, but it's the narrow road. It's the difficult road. It's the mountain pass. It's the one that you have to trudge through. In my mind, I have this picture. Who's, who's seen the movie The Neverending Story? Anybody ever seen that movie? Man, I, just, I have this picture of some of these places, these dark forests that you had to, had to hike through. and like, Wow. Man, how difficult, but also how character-forming and how character-building. If you know God is with you, that He's doing a work in you, then it becomes something special. There's an ever-present temptation for us to make life as easy as possible. And it it seems a lot easier, and I'll be honest, I feel this way sometimes too. I, I, I live in this world too. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm shielded from it. It seems much easier just to go with a broader culture sometimes rather than to live a life that is often resistant to it. It seems easier to give in and just, okay, whatever, you want to have it this way, then let's just go that way. Than to stand and almost walk upstream I mean, it just feels difficult sometimes, but Jesus' life shows us that oftentimes the right choice is the most difficult choice possible, and it might make you wildly unpopular with people. You know, I hear all the time people, people say, "Man, you know, if Jesus, if Jesus were here today, you know, man, people would love him." Like, I remember that Jesus even said, told the Pharisees, "Weren't your parents the ones who stoned the prophets?" You know, they don't like them, they don't like me, you don't like me, you're their children. I love love his statement, he's like, and here you are admitting that you're the children of the ones who stoned the prophets. (laughs) Every generation thinks that this generation is better than that one. But the reality is if Christ came, proclaiming the message he proclaimed back then, he'd be crucified just as well today as he was back then. And, and, And Christians, that's why we shouldn't be that prize when people want to crucify us if we're following Christ. It's not an easy road that we choose if we follow Christ. So the question I think that we need to be asking ourselves today is what are we basing success in our lives upon? Is it being liked by other people? Is it trying to get through life without ruffling too many feathers, even if it means compromising on important things? Is it about making money no matter the cost? Is it about being famous or popular? You know, maybe you want to go viral on YouTube and that's, that's your dream. Is it, is it about love and relationships? Is, is, it, is our life earth-focused or is it Christ and His kingdom-focused? Well, that's probably enough. We should read the word at this point. <laughs> Here's what Jesus says. Enter by the narrow gate. This is verse 13, by the way, in chapter 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it, enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Christ had one singular focus for his life. And that was the glory of God the Father. Everything that Christ did was centered on this, and he was committed to honoring the Father, even if that meant being rejected by everyone in the world. And actually, it did for him. And Jesus is pretty clear here in contrasting these two different ways that the one that has the best outcome for us ultimately is not the one that is the easiest while we're walking through it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we ask that as we open this word and, and really dwell upon it this morning and meditate upon it, Lord, we just want you to speak to us. You know, this morning, it's this is not about, this really just isn't, this isn't just about us learning some new things. That's part of it. But more than anything, this is about focusing our hearts so that we can see for who you are. So that you can call us up into more of your presence, into more of the power of your kingdom. As we walk in this world, we want to be like you, no matter the cost. And Father, if we don't have that desire, Lord, I just pray that you would stir that desire in us. Build it in us. Call us out, Lord, so that we can be the people you called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen let's talk about these two different ways. First, let's talk about the way of death. Now, I, I know that in this passage, he doesn't call it the way of death, but if you understand that what Jesus says here about these two paths, this is actually an old Jewish teaching that he was bringing to life for them. And, uh, and, and we'll see, actually, the prophet Jeremiah is the one who said to the Israelites whenever he told them that they could choose to go into exile or they could stay and be destroyed. And he said, I've laid before you. The Lord has laid before you the path of life and the path of death. And and, and most scholars think Jesus is actually referring back to that statement by Jeremiah here when he talks about the wide path versus the narrow path. So, Let's talk about the way of death. The way of death. One characteristic Jesus tells us, the way of death, he says it is wide. It's wide. Jesus describes the destructive road as wide, which honestly, that should alarm us a little bit, I think. I think when we hear him say that, it's a wide road. The road to destruction, the road of death is a wide one. And why should that alarm us? Because wide roads have a lot of room. They have a lot more room for travelers than narrow ones. And by calling the way of death wide, Jesus makes a clear point that it is the most popular choice of roads among people. So when you stand in the line at Walmart or Crest, or wherever you do your grocery shopping, you can imagine in your mind, according to what Jesus said here, the majority of people around us are not choosing the narrow road. They're choosing the wide road. In fact, it is the natural choice of people. It's easy. Jesus says the way of death is easy. The wide road... It doesn't have too many bumps or bends along the way. Now, that's not to say that there isn't suffering for people who aren't walking with the Lord. This world is a place of suffering. It's a broken place because of sin, and death is a part of it. Sickness is a part of it. So there's, there's just as much evil and suffering for the person walking apart from Christ as there is those of us who are walking with Christ. So, but But, but I think... Jesus isn't so much talking about sickness and death and things like that. I think he's talking about maybe the idea of persecution or acceptance in the culture. The bumps in the road, the bends and the twists that make the road narrow, that leads to life are the difficulties that we face because we're choosing a way that is countercultural. that's against the way of the world. So people who are apart from Christ will probably experience less persecution. They'll experience greater acceptance with the general public. Freedom to pursue lusts and passions. will you can just follow your heart wherever it might lead you. And to a lot of people, that's appealing. Let's, let's take that back. To everyone, that's appealing, okay? If we're honest about it, it's appealing to be able to follow our flesh and our lust wherever they may take us. And we have a whole country that's kind of built on that, that concept of self-determination. Hey, you do what you want. Just don't step on anybody else's toes, which actually is impossible. But whatever. Somebody's toes are always going to get stepped on. Tolerance can always only go so far, right? And we have to understand that. But, but and, and we as Christians are typically where that stops. And so, but that's the point here, what Jesus is saying. It's an easy road. It's an easy road to just do what the culture's doing, to just follow the way of the enemy. And you can have whatever your heart desires. Come up here with me and look. I'll give you everything if you'll just bow down and worship me. That's what the enemy says. And that looks pretty good to most people, especially people who believe that this life is all that there is, that there is no future. There is no hope. So you've got to get what you can now out of this world before you die. That's the way most people think. So life will often seem smoother for people who are on that wide road. And it shouldn't surprise us when worldly people seem to thrive in this world while righteous Christian people struggle. Because here's the thing, we're not at home here, but they are. Do you understand now that one of our goals is to help them see a better path? So we want them to step off of the wide road and join us on the narrow one. That's one of our goals. But for most people, that is, that's where they are. Their mindset is there. They're at home there. And our way seems weird and off to them. The way of death never ends well. While the road seems smooth for the moment, its landing place is ultimate destruction. And that's what Jesus warns against here. He says the road is wide that leads to destruction or death, ultimate death. We're talking about ultimate death. You don't hear the word hell spoken very often these days, it's not very comfortable. Won't sell you too many books unless you're Francis Chan. Francis Chan can sell any book, man. He can write a book about hell, but uh, and I'm down. Like I'm I'm down with Francis Chan, okay. Um, but uh, and the reality is, it's a hard word, but it's it's true. What is destruction? What is the death Jesus is talking about? He's talking about an eternal separation from God the Father. It's ultimate destruction, ultimate death spiritual death it's a lot worse than a physical death and here's what he says it may seem easy here on that wide road but it's gonna lead you to death destruction fin- final no chance to recover from that okay that's enough that one's a depressing one let's talk about the good one okay let's let's come talk about the happy one right. Uh, well, okay, it's happy in some ways, okay? But the way of life, the way, let's talk about the way of life. What are some characteristics? Well, first, he, I find this really interesting. Uh, he, he doesn't come right in saying the way of life is narrow. He says the gate. The gate is narrow. He says the way of destruction, the way of, the way of death is wide. The way of, but he says the gate of life is narrow. It's interesting, isn't it, that he uses way, no mention of gate over here, but then he talks, he's talking about a, a narrow way, but he starts by saying the gate is narrow. The gate to life is narrow. I think the reason why he talks about a gate to life and he doesn't talk about a gate to the wide road is because uh, there isn't a gate that leads to the wide road. It's just where everybody is, right? It's it's just that's, that's where we are in our parents' Adam and Eve. That's where we are, where humanity is at this point. So and it's just natural to choose that road. Then what's the gate? <laughs> he, Dennis, spoiler alert, Dennis just said it. Christ himself is the gate by which we enter the narrow path. He told us that in John chapter 10. He says, I am am the door to the sheepfold. Anyone who enters by me will experience eternal life. That's what he says. In fact, he says that the the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come you might have life. You still have life if you enter by me. You can come in onto this path by entering through me. Christ says in John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You, we need to hear this. Americans everywhere need to hear this. You cannot enter the narrow road except through belief in Jesus Christ. You must repent of your sins and believe in Christ. It is the only way. You can't get there through Buddha. You can't get there by following the teachings of Zoroaster or by following Hinduism or following Muhammad. There is one way and it is Jesus Christ. He is the door into the sheepfold. And I'm not saying it to be harsh. I'm saying it because, look, I care about people, and Christ cares about people, and Jesus wouldn't have said I'm the only way if it wasn't true. He's never spoken a lying word. And we know he's the Son of God, because if he wasn't the Son of God, God would not have raised him from the dead. Muhammad's still in the grave. Buddha's still in the grave. Christ is at the right hand of the Father on high. He is risen. He is the validated one. He's the only way. He is the door into the path. Yeah. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 24 through 27, makes this crazy statement. He tells the disciples that it's really difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, in fact, Easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the apostles, look at Jesus, and they're just like, we're toast. <laughs> like, if those people who have it all together and, and who look really nice and their feet don't stink, <laughs> remember, those guys wore sandals everywhere. Y'all, y'all know what I mean. You've worn leather sandals before, okay? I'm just saying. Those guys, and they they wore those things everywhere and they probably didn't wash them very often. <laughs> okay? There's a reason why they had to have incense when they went into a house. It wasn't because perfume made them smell pretty. It was because it covered up the nasty. All right? These guys are looking at these wealthy people and thinking, those are the ones that we thought had it together. If they can't get there, we're toast. And that's pretty much what they told you. They said, if they can't be saved, then who can? And Jesus says, With man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now that's a good message for both the rich and the poor, am I right? But here's, I think, what Jesus was trying to emphasize, that any attempt of people to save themselves will always fail. We're always trying to bust open our own gates, build our own version of the narrow path, the one that we think is going to lead us to life. But None of those are going to get us into the narrow path that Jesus has laid out. And none of those other paths are going to get us to the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, any path we might create in our own strength is only going to eventually be a tributary to the wide road. That's it. It's only possible to enter the narrow gate by the power of God. Jesus says with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now, I want to say this to everyone who might be listening online, everyone here. Some people may be thinking, well, I'm a hopeless case. I've heard the gospel many times. I've rejected it many times. And and on top of that, I'm a mess. I can't get over my sins. I I keep going back to them and... If I had to be honest with you, I'm not even sorry about it. I like my sin. I like what I'm doing. There are people who right now are thinking, God can never accept me. I'm too dirty. I want to just point out to you that God is never going to accept you on the basis of what you can do anyway. He's going to accept you on the basis of what Christ has done. That's the gospel. The gospel is not what you can do. It's what Christ has done. So can I, I want to call it, and, and by the way, this is for people who are, who haven't believed in Jesus yet, and this is for the Christians too. The Christians, we need to re-hear this, because we forget, and we start performing and thinking, oh, God's going to accept me based upon how good of a Christian I am. You, you didn't get in by performing, and you're not going to get to heaven by performing either. You're a child of God because of what Christ has done for you. So, all of us, I don't care where you are in life. You could have been a Christian for 40 years or 50 years. We all need a moment on a regular basis to stop trusting in ourselves and put our eyes back on Jesus. Amen. And if you've never trusted Christ before, can I kind of say that you are being offered an opportunity today by the Holy Spirit to trust in Jesus Christ and to stop putting, stop betting on yourself for your future and start betting on Christ He is an absolute sure win. But I'm not going to lie to you and tell you it's peachy and rosy over here on the narrow path because Jesus will instantly contradict me because he says the road is narrow and it's hard. The way to life is hard, Jesus says. Now, I don't think Jesus would say that to us if he didn't mean it. You know, oftentimes in Jesus' ministry, it's almost like he's trying to talk people out of following him. You ever notice that? Like, guy comes to him, I, I want to follow you, Jesus says. I'm homeless. You want to be homeless, dude? Rich young ruler, I want to. You know, what, what, what must they do to be saved? Like, Sell all your stuff. <laughs> Why? Because he had an idolatry problem. He was addicted to his things. He must have been an American. I don't know. Um, but God called him out. Christ called him out. So one guy comes after him and says, I want to follow you, but I want to go bury my parents first. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead, and you come and follow me. Look, they... they The the crowds want to make him king, and he says to them, you can't follow me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Man, what in the world? Who's his marketing guy? You know, Christ didn't come here to shoot us a happy message so we'll feel better about ourselves. He came here to call us out of darkness and into light. And when you are a person who has been in darkness your entire life, that light is very difficult. And when you wake up in the morning and you open up your eyes and the sun's coming through your window, how do your eyes feel? It hurts for a minute. You've got to get adjusted. How much more so for people who are forced in the darkness to come into the true light of the kingdom. It's not easy. It's difficult. And Jesus tells us it is. And he tells us if you're going to make this commitment, you better make sure you can actually follow through. Have you ever driven down a narrow road? Uh, I had this memory as I was preparing for this. I remembered once we went to Colorado. My parents used to have this really cool car. It was like a 1988 or 89 Jeep Grand Wagoneer. It was a Woody. That thing was so cool. It was burgundy. It was a beautiful car. And it's the car you want to drive if you're going to Colorado. You know what I mean? And, and we were driving up into the mountains. And I remember, you know, back then there was no GPS. I kind of miss those days a little bit. But my mom has the map. And my dad, you know, they're, t- they're trying to figure out where we headed. Somehow we are on this little mountain road. And it, when I say it was a little mountain road, it was a road like probably like a Wrangler would have been okay, but the Wagoneer is a lot bigger. It's like a, a suburban of keeps, you know. And, and this thing's huge. It takes up like half the road. And, and any other car that comes by, you kind of got to pull over. And you're looking down over the cliff. And you're like, if dad makes one wrong move, we're dead. Like, we're down the mountain. Like for real. It was scary. I remember as a kid being, being on edge. It's, and, and, and on this road, it starts to snow. Of course it does, you know, um, and and I just remember it was just so sketchy the whole feeling of the moment. But at the same time, I was sitting back there going, "Man, this is so cool," you know. And that's why I'm addicted to four by fours and deeps now, um, is because of that vehicle. But but I, I just I remember that feeling and how. But that was a difficult road. My dad had to he was white knuckled on the steering wheel. My mom's paying attention to, to the map, and and they're they're just. Laser-focused on their surroundings because if they're not being careful and paying attention, we're the whole family's going to end up over the side of that cliff. There's no guardrail in Colorado. I mean, you know, those people are different people over there. When Jesus calls the path narrow, I, I think that's the kind of road he has in mind. Now, of course, they didn't, they didn't have cars. They had like mules, you know? But, but the same idea. We know what that's like. On a narrow road, you've got to be extra careful. You've got to pay attention to where you are. There's no cruise control or automated driving Tesla, okay? Car can't drive itself on the narrow road. You've got to have discipline. I think that's a, those are some important cues for us when he calls it a narrow road. He says the way of life, the way of life is hard. It's a life of discipline. It's a life of battling your own human nature. You can't just give in to your, your desires. You have to choose to fight against it. It's a life of foregoing lusts and pleasures while looking forward to something better and more fulfilling. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy this world. Matter of fact, I think we're sinning if we're not enjoying the good gifts that God has given us. But we can be excessive. We can idolize those things. We can, we can, we can fall off the Christian life. <laughs> the Christian life is a life of refusing to get for yourself now what can only be forged over what Eugene Peterson referred to as a long obedience in the same direction. It's a challenge. It's difficult. And here's the thing about the way of life, though. It may be difficult. and You're going to hit bumps in the road. You're going to deal with hard people. You're going to deal with hard experiences in following Christ. But here's the thing. Whereas the way, the wide road can never end well, the way of life can do nothing but end well. In Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, David writes, Blessed are those who do not walk. In the way of the wicked. Blessed are those. So so here's what we see. Here's what God tells us that blessing, by, by the way, there's blessing that comes from the world. Do you know that? There is. Blessing from the world may come by walking that wide road, but blessing from God only comes by walking the narrow road. And the world's blessing may last a lifetime, but God's blessing is eternal. So which investment seems like the best long-term investment. So, so here, let's get a couple of ideas on what God may want us to do with this. So the wide path, that's the path everybody's doing. Everybody's doing it. You know, your mom used to probably say, if everybody dumped off the bridge, would you? My mom did. And, and, and the world is pretty much like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? We're all dumping off the bridge. That sounds great. Let's do it. It feels good. The narrow path is the road less traveled. So it's why is it less traveled? Y'all, it's less traveled because it's hard. It's bumpy. It's difficult. People on this road dedicate themselves above all else to the practice of becoming like Jesus. That's characteristic of those of us who are on the narrow path. And and, and I think too many of us, even in the church find ourselves at times more dedicated to becoming like the world than we are becoming like Jesus. I think he wants to shock us out of that a little bit today. So so what I'm advocating for today is a lifestyle of repentance in which we choose to live narrowly in each moment. Many are going to view the narrow road as something you enter once when you receive Christ. And then you just sort of magically hang out there. That's not the picture that Scripture paints for us. Because it takes work to stay on the narrow road. And that's why Jesus used this metaphor for us. You're on a narrow road. Be vigilant. Be disciplined. You want to stay there. Now, Look, everything comes from God's grace. The foundation is always God's grace. But... God pours the foundation, he expects us to build something on it. He expects us to join him in becoming like his son Jesus. That's why scripture tells us that we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And by the way, we don't work alone. It's with the power of the Holy Spirit. We work together with him, built on the foundation of his word and all of his calling, the the power of the gospel in us. So we know we know that that receiving Christ as Lord and Savior is that's the right exit to take? But in order to remain on the path, we've got to be intentional about how we live. So I, I say this frequently, and I will keep saying it frequently. But we've got to be a praying people. That's how we do this. We've got to be a praying people. We've we've got to be a Bible studying, a Bible reflecting, and a Bible applying people. We we've got to be a gathering people who don't forsake this assembly. The sacred assembly is important. What I'm saying is, if we don't have these basic spiritual disciplines in our lives, we're prone to driving right off the road. Not paying attention, you're going to end up over the cliff. A person who travels down a mountain pass without a map, mirrors a full tank of gas, and an alert mind is a foolish person. So you're on a narrow road, Christian. Are you traveling Wisely. Each moment, and this may be the most important thing that I've said all day today. Each moment we have the opportunity to make the narrow path choice and a wide path one. The narrow path choice is like this when I'm tempted to sin, do I resist? That's the narrow path choice. Or do I give in, which is the wide path choice? This stuff matters. And we only get good at walking the narrow path through practice. Having a strong foundation in God's word and a reliance upon the Holy Spirit. So this is something we can do this week. I'm I'm giving you something practical here. Because here's what I know. You're going to leave this place and at some point today, you're going to have a temptation to do the wide path thing. The enemy is going to say to you, I know God has said this, but I'll give you the world if you'll just bow down and worship me over here. You're going to hear the same temptation Jesus heard. Things have not changed. Satan's not that creative, okay? He keeps doing the same thing. But our job is when we feel that temptation, we, we, we take it to Jesus. Say, Lord, this is real. and I'm feeling this. And I need your help. And then we go to the scriptures and, and, and we and we read God's word and we say, Spirit, speak to me. Give me the strength I need. Give me the spiritual food I need to battle against this. Jesus battled the enemy by proclaiming scripture. <laughs> that's, if that's not a cue for us, I don't know what is. Anyway, Jeremiah 21.8. I mentioned this earlier. He says, I have set before you two paths, the way of life and the way of death. So I believe that God has pretty clearly set in front of us these two paths today through the words of Jesus. And it's our job to choose which path we want to walk on. The truth is that that none of us have this power in of ourselves. We can't walk the narrow road in our own strength. But in Christ, we can do this. That's my encouragement to you. Church, listen. In Christ, you can do what is impossible for you to do in your own strength. And in fact Christ has blazed the trail through the narrow path by his bloody cross and his empty tomb. So through walking with the spirit and the power of Christ we can absolutely do what he's called us to do. Last thing Philippians 1:6 you've probably heard this scripture. But Paul says to the Philippians he says to them, "I'm confident of this that the one who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Christian, I want to encourage you this. If you're on the narrow road, you're not on the narrow road by your own power. You're on the narrow road by the power of God, by the work of the Holy Spirit. And if God puts you there, His full intention is to make sure you stay there. So we work with Him. We battle with Him. We go with Him. And in His power, we're going to get there. We're going to get to His kingdom together. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc.org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.